0: You succumb to the
1: Of Edge, and I am here with my co host as ever, uh, Drew Boxical. Hi, Drew.
0: Hi. How's it going?
1: I'm, I'm great, thanks. How are you, Drew?
0: I'm feeling super up and super confident.
1: That is good to hear. And obviously, uh, with us as always, it's Alan. Hi, I'm Alan. Hi, Alan. How are you going?
2: It's it's very it's very dark. It's very dark, but uh, but but my but my mum says I better get used to it.
1: Uh, that's, that's great um, anyone got any news anything happened over the past couple of weeks
0: well <laughs> I didn't want to so I don't want to brag but I don't know how to hide the, 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 the smile on my face because uh, yeah I mean I, I've got a little bit of news it's maybe not on topic not strictly noid culture but do um, so you
1: want to share the news
0: <laughs> I mean yeah a little bit so um, it's the 21st century you know and um, we're all doing it and i I've started doing online dating and oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah 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 um, and I've got some good good uh, profile picture on there, lovely kind of uh, one of my promo shots and uh, uh, uh a bio I took ages over this bio um, I wouldn't normally share this, but like uh, here we go drew is a very nice man, he works on a podcast. So, um, and I thought that would, would, uh, draw people in and oh my goodness, after just 19 months, bosh, I've hooked a fish. Um, oh, I wow. feel bad that's saying it like that, but well, I'm just so excited. I'm, I'm just giddy really.
1: Um, the, your profile picture, is that Bow Wow Wow next to you?
0: Oh yeah, that's the, the, the promo pictures we, we did for, uh, Bow Wow Wow, um, there's me posing with a with an open tin of a rendered horse.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised you haven't had more interest in it so far.
0: I, I mean, I've, I you like? know it's, it's difficult to gauge the interest, but uh, Sandra bot two o two o two o two o two o two o error is really keen.
1: Uh, have you met? Yeah.
0: Well, we've just been, I mean, because of the outbreak, it, it's difficult. Um, so, so we've not, we've not physically met yet but we've exchanged so many messages um, do you mind if I read some out
1: no go for it
0: ok so uh, so this one's from uh, a couple of days ago hey sexy how are you um, so that was a couple of days ago I, I was I was excited and then uh, uh, hey sexy how are you that was from um, from 18 hours ago uh, and then um hey uh i like full stop um then just a lot of bank details i didn't really understand that bit um and then (laughs) this morning error code 303011169740 true Uh, i mean i don't she's, she's a bit younger than me um so i uh, that's a, probably a youth speak thing um but i, I didn't really get it but like she seems really keen and then uh just before we started the show this send me your bank details or i will share the pictures oh i don't, I don't really get the joke but like um she's just really funny and uh just uh
1: um, have you have you sent anything to, to any of them
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, when she asked me for my bank details, I thought or oh, just as a laugh, I'll I'll, you know, better a joke. I'll go I'll go along with it. Oh, here's my bank details. Here's my mother's maiden name. Obviously, I don't really have a a name to give there, but you know, I gave a name of the institution. Um,
1: you you might you might want to talk to your bank, Drew. Uh, I'm sure it's all fine. Um, but I wouldn't want anything to have happened to any of your money or anything.
0: Right. Um, it,
1: it, I'm sure it hasn't. I'm sure they're all really genuine. Of course, like you say, that's um, it's an amazing uh, little bio that you've written for yourself. Yeah. And obviously, you've got yeah. Oh, here wow we got another stuff, message just so come in. Sure.
0: Um, what the what? Oh, there's a that's not safe for work. Okay, we can't read that on the air. I am a bot. Um, ha 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 ha! Oh wow! So I've been talking to an actual robot. That is the sexiest thing ever. Wow.
1: I mean if you find robots sexy, you are going to love a lot of today's show.
0: Yeah, do I ever?
1: Any any news from you, Alan? No. Ah! Help me.
2: Help! No, no news at all.
1: No news okay, at all from me. That that's great. Uh let's let's uh, start the show. Uh.
0: I'll be speaking to cult TV actress Valerie Kitchenette We'll also be reviewing our brother Clive's blog The effectiveness of montages And all your usual favourite features
2: We all know we have a brother called Clive But what would happen if he got his grubby mitts On the most classic movies of all time? Here's the top 10 classic movie moments, which would have been worse if they'd been directed by our brother Clive. Number 1. Dinosaur World. Remember that scene where dinosaurs appeared on the screen for the first time ever? Well Clive would have put his bloody face all over them. Hello. Number 2. Casablanca. If he'd had his way, Casablanca would have been set in his room, the dirty boy. Number three, returning to the past. Ten
3: thousand millimeters!
2: If Clive had had his way, they would have driven his motorcycle that he always drives around on, instead of the classic Mini Cooper. Number four, strong lungs. Instead of freedom, it would have been prison Clive would have been fighting for. Am I right? Freedom! Number five. Born of the Dead. If he had control over that movie, he would have played Jason Bourne and not Matt Damon. Number six. Trouble on the big building. If he would have had his way, he would have had that burning building fall down the moment it set on fire. And that would have been really boring. Because the most exciting thing about that movie is the slow approach of death. Number 7. Shadow Hopper, The Dark Mystery. If Climb had got his dirty fingers all over it, the Shadow Hopper would have had a mask that wouldn't have been even on. We would have seen the billionaire's real identity. Number 8. Mad Michael, Scary Street. If Clive had got his his grubby mitts all over it, his dirty fingers, he would have had everyone driving around on his flummin' motorcycle. Isn't that annoying? Number nine. Lonely at home. If Clive would have had his way, that kid would have been (laughs) shot by the burglars. And number 10 blade tester if Clive would have directed it no one would have had eyes I can't see so there we have it he's dirty he's all our brother we hate him but we also love him at the same time that was the top 10 classic movie moments which would have been made worse if they had been directed by our brother Clive
0: The Interview Val Kitchenhead okay well we are just exceptionally excited now because i have been given the opportunity of a lifetime to talk to a cult television legend she has been in well if you've seen anything from the 70s or or, or maybe the early 80s maybe even the late 60s um you will have seen our guest valerie kitchenette valerie thanks for coming on the show
3: oh it's so kind of you so lovely to be here yeah
0: no it's wonderful for you, for you to come in Val uh, to, to have time from your busy schedule yeah. you do a lot of conventions I know that you're often going out seeing fans signing any memorabilia they put in front of you
3: that's right mind you it's ever so tiring traveling you can really it's much better if I can do four or five conventions within a few days what do you expect really oh you know I mean but fans they pay the bills don't they so one mustn't moan
0: yeah because I mean it's still to this day you are you are a jobbing actress that's you know your 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 lifelong goal has been something you've achieved now when did when did you first get the bug for acting? like people will know you from things like Salazar Six or appearances in uh, the Lady Police Policewoman um, Doctor goes Bananas, uh, Ted the chef but before all that, before the fame, what what bit did the young Valerie uh, Kitchenette what made her think acting acting is the thing?
3: Well it looked so easy and the money was good I suppose but um, as a 14 year old uh, well uh, even younger than that I found that I'd put a pretty dress on and people loved me but and the other thing was I was seeing all these people I thought god I'm better than they are and they seem to be earning incredibly large amounts of money I mean, one of my co-stars, but I won't mention her because you'll know who it is. She bought a four-bedroom detached house on Surbiton on Thames, on the grounds of one, well, cereal. let's put it that way. So I thought, well, let's go for it.
0: Well, I mean, that really is, that's, that's an inspiring story. I think there, there'll be a lot of people out there thinking of getting into acting, and uh, that's, um, I suppose, maybe the money might have been better back Back then, and um, what was what was your first big break? What was what took you from being aspiring um, actress Valerie Kitchenette to being, you know, jobbing actress?
3: Well, I think one of the big breaks was as the <coughs> is she a ghost or isn't she a ghost on that wonderful series that used to be on Saturday afternoons five o'clock, and it was called To the Hospital. And this particular hospital was quite old and it had a couple of sort of spooky things happening to it but they wanted somebody tall and slim and blonde to be the well is she a ghost or isn't she a ghost and waft through and as I started to do it I started to ad-lib a it and then that became script and then after a while my name was up there top of the rankings the audience loved me well they would really And that was quite good. The only problem was you didn't get a very nice costume because, as you'll probably know, costumes you get to keep. So some of the space ones were amazing for dinner parties. But all I got in this particular one was this sort of long light blue dress and a sort of white pinny thing, not very romantic. But I think that was it, you know, to the hospital was the, the one that I think made me, mind you, at the same time, I was being approached to do the first of the um science fiction ones that one's the one that 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 would have been
0: salazar six
3: yes i think salazar six was there and then there was another one they all came along at the same time which was a bit confusing because one never knew where one was yeah
0: now and there were some issues that came out of that weren't there but that created some magical moments of television where you would be trying to ad-lib in one program but you'd well, I mean, legend has it that you forgot which program you were in. So in Salazar 6, your, your character, uh, Barisov, the Pirate Queen, you suddenly just started going, Woo!
3: Woo! woo. Oh, no! Was that scripted? <laughs> or? That's, no, that's anagorical. That's no truth to that. If there was, it was because I felt the Pirate Queen was going, Woo! In order to be able to scare the other people. But my ghost in the hospital didn't really go, ooh, like that. So I think it's anagorical, because at that time, I was getting an awful lot of press. The media could not get enough of me. And I suppose they just put that in. But it's rather a funny story.
0: Right, and, and so the, the where where there's footage of you as the ghost in uh, to the hospital going, ah ah to the spaceships, that that again was you felt the ghost character would have maybe been a spaceship pirate ghost at that point.
3: Well, I think it was also within the hospital there was a children's ward, and they used to like Captain Pugwash. So the ghost decided to cheer the children up and go ah dum dum di dum di dum di dum, dum, dum and that sort of thing just for the children. And I think that was quite obvious at the time.
0: And, and was that the episode where the the the, the whole children's ward uh, began crying in, in terror at the sight of a ghost?
3: I don't think they were crying in terror so much. I think it was more they were shrieking with delight and laughter rather than crying. But as I said, the viewing figures rocketed on that one.
0: And, and of course one child did pass out and had to be taken to a real hospital but I suppose that was with, with delight they just passed out with delight
3: I think that's I think we all agreed she passed out with delight
2: First look.
1: Wow, we have got some news just in straight off social media um, scientists have discovered uh, montage sequences ineffective in real life
0: wait what, like, so... The, the scenes from films where you see a quick uh, a quick series of cuts of people performing, I don't know, exercise or uh, taking on a, a new hairstyle or, or running up a hill and then suddenly, within seconds, they are much better at a thing. Yeah, yeah. Th- those, th- they, they literally, it, outside of films, cannot improve your life?
1: No. So all the people that have been doing those little jump cuts of exercises haven't got any fitter.
2: That's insane. Ah. That's strange, because when, when my, my mum does montages, when she does her science work, and that's that seems to get things done.
1: Well, I mean, maybe these are scientists that don't work with your mum, Alan, but these these have they've, they've run some really rigorous tests. It's Obviously, it's going a little even noidier than we are, um, but they've definitely run the tests.
0: Yeah, I'm reading here that they say exercise is an incremental process, uh, requiring... Lots of repeated small actions over a prolonged period, not over a short. That's incredible. That is, that's very counterintuitive. It's literally the, expect, the opposite of what I'd expect. Now, yeah. Alan, you talking about your experience of the the science experiments?
2: Well, my my mum's always in her in a multi million dollar lab, uh, creating something wacky and new, and uh, and I just see her from different from different angles, cut together to music. Uh, mainly science-like music, uh, and uh, and next thing you know, she sat on the she sat watching the TV, uh, having done her science work. Who knows what she's been cooking up in her lab? And when you say science music, what sort of music is that? Well, uh, it's it's mainly like or. like that oh sort of like yeah, yeah. I, I, I often I often hear screams such as that coming from my mum's lab
1: yeah I get maybe it's one of the things where they need a little bit more research
2: maybe this is something we could look into
1: or we could do annoyed culture uh, montage
0: okay let's get to it guys let's research hmm Press the button on the thing.
2: I'm going to put the gloves on. Look at this test tube. Roxy,
0: that's sharp and dangerous. Clive,
2: do you want to give me a hand?
1: What's that fire?
2: Can Clive be
1: trusted? My arm. We've cracked it.
0: I don't think we're going to survive this. Well, I guess we were right. Montages—it's nuanced, isn't it? There's, there's, there's a for and against.
1: And we've definitely we put in the research.
3: The interview. Val Kitchenette.
0: Um. And so you've mentioned the press. Now we we, uh, so we can't go through an interview with Valerie Kitchenette without discussing how the press treated you during the seventies, because there was the Soviet spy story that they came out with. Now, I don't want to push you too hard. We're, we're interested in, in your work and not your, your, your social life. But how did you feel? You Could you have responded better to that, maybe?
3: I don't know how you can respond better to being told that your current boyfriend is a Soviet spy. A bit difficult, really. But I think, no, it was quite entertaining, really. And it got me in front of the public. I suddenly became a mysterious lady. A spy would have no uh, benefit going out with me, apart from the fact I was lovely, because I had no state secrets. I did meet some interesting people who had state secrets, but my, um, my Russian lieutenant wasn't one of them. It was quite interesting, because you could look at the various papers, and according to their political beliefs, the Times called me a traitoress, though I don't think that's a word. The News of the World thought I was lovely, um, one of uh, the country's great heroines, and the Daily Mirror said I was probably a counter spy doing the work for the nation. Wonderful.
0: Yeah, which which you got got you tipped as being a potential boon girl, one of the, uh, you know, one of the the the, the big. Uh, roles for women at the time being being the kind of eye candy in a Jack Spoon movie. Um, was there any truth to that?
3: No. I think for all... My, I, I don't think... I've got the figure for eye candy. I'm too tall and skinny. And I can... My acting is much better. The eye candy parts were fine. And the money wasn't that good. Some of the costumes were awful. Oh, God, no. No, there's no truth in that.
0: Yeah, and uh, you, you so You talk of your figure. I mean, I suppose you've you often got... F- cast as uh, almost Amazonian figures. So I suppose it was about this time that you were cast as uh, the warrior queen of the Savage Lands in uh, zanzi I I think my Russian pronunciation might be right, which you filmed in Siberia. Now, that must have been cold.
3: Well, we filmed bits of it in Siberia, but obviously I wasn't going out in the middle of a snowfield, no matter how many furs they wrapped me in. But, But being tall... Yes, I'm six foot two, uh, but I mean, it's always very handy. I mean, you can get stuff off the top shelves in supermarkets for one thing. But the downside of it, people do recognise you, if not for your face, but for your height. Not many ladies are six foot two. Though I think it's a couple of cricket players that might be.
0: Yeah, which, again, that created a lot of casting difficulties, I think, because... You definitely—you seemed like one of those cult actresses that you, you could have been, you could have been uh, the the kind of uh, love interest in so many films, but you were nearly twice the height of some of the leading actors of the time. Um, did you, did you find that ever caused difficulties?
3: Well, of course, it, well you didn't really know her until afterwards, when some stupid little trollop got the part that you would have been ideal for, and found out that he was, she was playing opposite some midget. I mean it's conventional people shouldn't worry about differences in height any more than they should worry about differences in age but they do It's bloody boring if you ask me uh, I mean it would be alright if it was all radio plays but they seem to think now if you're six foot two you're good enough to be a pirate queen or a Russian spaceship commander I bet in real life they're probably about four foot The
2: Top Ten
0: Over the years Comics haven't always been quite on the money in terms of their political correctness. But are the offensive characters always as offensive as all that? Yes. But here are the top 10 least offensive characters that are still nonetheless offensive. Number 1 Sergeant USA Sergeant USA defended power, not necessarily white power. That's all. Number 2 Global South boy, global south. a boy from the Use global south to... with with powers, to, uh, the conditions of these powers. Don't worry, it's not that offensive. We can charge them interest for it later. Number three, everyone's favourite sidekick, insert demographic boy. Quick. I see three lower percentile male. Insert demographic boy, boy was letter. left blank in panels for comics all over the globe for people to insert their own demographics to be less offensive. Number four, you're poor. Hey. The character was poor. Called, you're poor. And he was poor. You shut it. But he was feisty. Huh. Number five, Madam Handbags. <laughs> she had the handbags, but she wielded them like weapons. That's empowering, right? For 1990? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Number six, The Holdout. The holdout was a renegade American warrior who refused to believe the war was over. I'm fighting no one. Yeah, he ain't to never quite spoke which Tory war. Giant. God damn it he was they gonna they fight on. Trade run American, American bastards. bastards. Number 8. The Cringing Commie. Co- commie is a political position, not a nationality. Not racist, is it? Oh, you have stopped yes. for in your
2: superior technologies.
0: Number 9. The octopus of media and political influence. It had tentacles everywhere and tried to control the world, but like, it it was just an octopus, right? Just, Just an octopus. Yeah? An evil, bad octopus. It's not offensive. And number 10, the living carcinogen. An anthropomorphic character that spread cancer wherever it went. What could be offensive about that?
3: Ginette. And
0: and I think during this period the roles kind of the those Amazonian roles seemed to dry up. Mm. I don't know if it was just a changing taste in television. Um was that when you decided to attempt a pop career?
3: Well, I think the other thing was I saw some people uh having a pop career and I went to a couple of parties and there were some record producers there. And I remember one of them, we went to the bathroom <laughs> him and I and we, I sang for him, and he said I had quite a nice voice. But I think in just in those days, it wasn't the voice; it was the number that you were singing, and also the um, uh, backing group. Look at Abba. I mean, Abba, all right. It wasn't Abba; it was their songs. Had I had Waterloo, I would have easily have made it to the top.
0: Yeah, but instead you had. Um, was it? Take Me To Your Trousers, Dr Johnson, that was your first single.
3: I think it was. It didn't do very well,
0: sadly. No, uh,
3: No, I don't think it had that rhythm. But what I needed was a Eurovision Song Contest winner. And Take Me With Your Trousers and The Doctor. Well, it hadn't got a lot of depth to the lyrics.
0: No. I, well, I, interestingly, let's maybe listen to a little uh, clip of it now, just to, just to kind of, uh, you know, reflect, have a bit of nostalgia. We need to go to the car. We need to Give me we to the car. We need to the Give me we to the car. We need to the Wow, that's a that's a kind of a slice of history right there, isn't it? Wow.
3: Well, it's a real blast from the past. I'd forgotten all about it. I think somewhere I've probably got a copy of it at home. Gosh, I forget who yeah, wrote Yeah, I mean, it. how did you
0: how did you hit those high notes? They were extraordinary.
3: Well, I think it was they're not actually me. I don't know whether or not you've ever recorded a song, but you can actually fudge it so that you can take what you're singing up an octave and it makes you sound wonderful. Quite a, I mean, if you listen to Kate Bush uh, with Wuthering Heights, Wuthering, Wuthering, that's not her. She's got someone turning a, a knob to whop it up an octave. So... But it, it, it was a laugh and I got I got to go on Top of the Pops, which was interesting.
0: No, no, just interesting with Top of the Pops, given your height... Uh, you were literally too tall for the microphone, isn't that right? They they, they had just assumed that uh, a band with a woman in and lady-female backing singers, they'd all set microphones at a certain height and you were literally a foot too tall.
3: Mm. Well, they dropped the mic down in the end from the ceiling. But it was... I mean, that's very typical of the sort of sexist attitude that these people had. So, as popular
1: requests have had it, we're going to review our brother Clive's blog. Obviously, we all know him, Clive. We all have the brother Clive. um, And he has got a blog, and it is quite something. So, many of our listeners have requested that we review it. So, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to review Clive's blog. Um, It's wide-ranging in topic. got a lot of followers... um, a lot of follow. Clive has got a lot of followers, um, some some quite famous names up there, um, which is it's great for a blog. Obviously, um, range of topics. Like I said, some of them do verge on the the noisy angle, which could be seen as stealing some of our thunder, couldn't it? But but maybe that's not what it's all about. So he's got some some varied topics he's covered some of the films tv shows cartoons and top 10s that we have but been a little bit more shared and liked um so how have you guys found clive's blog well, i i've
2: i've found it very interesting um it, it it's always it's always nice for your siblings to have a hobby isn't it uh, and seeing as clive is all our siblings uh then uh, then well uh, it's just really it's just really nice to to know that uh that they've uh, that they've finally got got all their all their stuff together you know like like it's it's really nice to to find to find that he's got out of, of the dark patch that that was Clive's previous life
1: Well I would say that there was still some dark elements in there Alan
0: I can't read Yeah for me um Five. I mean, you've got to like your, your your brother's blog, don't you? Which is why he's got so many followers, because um, they've all liked their brother's blog. But, oh, God, I, like, I remember him at the Institute. Um, so, he speaks from experience about uh, a range of things here um, in really quite a tiresome and uneducated way uh, for somebody that was never even plugged into the system. Um I don't remember him getting any electrocutions. And yet here he is speaking with authority on, you know... uh, Mental health and sadness and... Oh, uh, the black dog was on me the other day. and You just think... Have you ever been bitten by one of the, the attack dogs... When trying to escape? No. No. No, Clive.
1: See, it's weird that you'd say that, Drew... Because a lot of the entries I read um a lot of clive's experiences really resonated with me and i thought no you didn't have that experience clive i i remember that happening to me i remember going to that convention i remember doing that cosplay you never cosplayed as liliette you never cosplayed as princess bloodthust but there you are writing about it in your blog as if it happened to you as if you've got human emotions
0: yeah and he'd look stupid in gingham
1: the, the worst but I suppose there are upsides to his blog. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be reviewing it for our listeners. Um, so I, I don't know what people have thought about a marks out of five for our brother Clive's blog. Well, I,
2: I'm, just, I'm just glad to see he's getting his act together. But as I previously stated, it's wasted on me as I can't read. So I'm going to give it a four out of five.
1: Drew, have you got any, a score for Clive?
2: Um I mean
0: Physically he can write Uh I only punched myself twice while reading it. Four out of five.
1: And obviously our our listeners are really interested in this blog. Can't deny the sheer amount of followers that Clive has got and how much mum talks about him every day. But I would say, and I, I think that I'm being unbiased here, but not every blog can be a 5 out of 5, and, and mine would be, and is, so I'm going to have to give a resounding 4 out of 5. It's really great that he's gone off the smack.
2: And
0: so, talking of sexism, as the 70s wore on and, and turned into the 80s, and, and you you entered the next phase of your life, did you find mm-hmm. that the roles were really starting to dry up as you were seen as, as not young, not, no longer kind of young eye candy?
3: Well, I don't think I've ever been seen as eye candy, but I did find that was quite lucrative, was let's all hear it for the costume dramas. I mean, we had David Copperfield. We had, oh, Oliver Twist. And all of these were wonderful. You got a nice little part the name you could remember wonderful costumes nice location and invariably always sold to the states so you've got some superific repeat fees
0: but you, you mentioned earlier keeping the costumes uh, was it from doing all those kind of um, costume dramas that you developed your habit of only ever wearing 19th century dress
3: oh i don't know really i've always fancied 19th century dress yeah, and also beautiful black velvet or white velvet top hats. But yeah, I think it might have been. I had a couple of years where that was all I wore to work. And I suppose it just dropped, brushed off. And the other thing is, when you're six foot two, you look cracking in them. Absolutely yeah, gorgeous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and they have their uses as well, because it was during this period that... Uh, I guess the stresses and the strains of, uh, of being a jobbing actor kind of started to get to you and you began uh, shoplifting from Harrods smuggling things out under your bustle and I know it's probably painful to talk about that but would you be willing to talk about some of the things that you did uh, smuggle under your bustle um, and how much you got from them on the black market
3: not really because that never happened I'm sorry? that never happened I never, I never smuggled, I never stole. Right,
0: so my research, the, the court appearances, the...
3: Well, there were, if you remember, there were three court appearances, and each one, Harris withdrew the complaint. Um, the fact that I was found with a small leopard cub under my coat was entirely coincidental. And, I mean, let's face it, I could have got it from London Zoo
0: and you and you uh, can't really control what a leopard cub does if a leopard club cub wants to climb up inside a lady's dress w- you well, can't really it, argue with the leopard cub it's it's what, an innocent what well, is so yes. what crime has been committed
3: well this is difficult you see precisely and it was the same as the harrods turkish silk rugs they just sort of rolled up my leg uh, but harrods didn't want the scandal And so they were prepared to um, drop the cases. Yeah.
0: And and the baby elephant?
3: The baby elephant, I donated the baby elephant to London Zoo because I thought that she would spend a much happier time. And of course, because of that, Harrods equally donated the mother as well.
0: Oh, so I mean, in a way, when people have ungenerously described this as maybe a criminal period in your life, it was philanthropy. This was a of period of your life where you were at your most generous.
3: Of course it was. At my most, I don't say generous, but certainly I've always been for animal rights, and certainly the idea of having baby elephants in Harrods and their mothers is just dreadful. I mean, the leopard, who's called Jody, still lives with me because they're not that big leopards, so she's quite happy. But it wasn't exactly the best time for Harrods' reputation either.
0: Um, and now we come into kind of the the current stage in your life so you do a lot of conventions obviously occasionally taking the leopard along with you um, which is quite useful when fans get too uh, eager to get close Um, there have been some clawing incidents always the fans fault Um, but you also do a lot of charitable work alongside that so you're not just uh, making money from the fans uh, just to own a huge house in the countryside
3: Well, no, what, you know, the charitable, thank you for mentioning it. um, I support, how can I best describe this, in South Africa, there's a sanctuary that looks after former uh, wild animal pets, and I support that. And they have cheetahs and elephants, and that's very sweet. And then I also uh, support a small charity for elderly people, who don't get the opportunity to go to Sue's.
0: Yeah, and you literally ship them out of um, of the country, don't you, and send them to your, to your reserve in South Africa?
3: Well, I, that's the... Often to
0: stay for good.
3: That's one of the nicest things. If they can make the flight, the South African um, reservation is absolutely gorgeous. And, of course, the other thing about the conventions are it keeps the uh, actual series alive. Since the conventions have been happening the television companies have been absolutely inundated with requests to do some more and so they're repeating them and of course we all know what happens with repeats we get repeat fees so i'm very very happy to wear my lovely edwardian costumes to the conventions
0: yeah well i mean that really is i mean it's such a magical story and it's great to see that you're still kind of committed to your art uh, and bringing bringing those brilliant cult television programs back to uh to the people. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us, uh, Valerie Kitchenette. Um, and long, long may you haunt the conventions, may I say?
3: Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And now, uh, who do I see about my fee? <laughs>
0: So that's it, that's the whole show uh, You've listened to another complete show And I hope we've given you what you deserved uh, Remember to follow us online And also to give your devout praises To Bow Wow Wow As well as any unrendered horsemeat you have Lying around the house I'm sure you've got some, we all do It's no shame in it But Straight on to Bow Wow Wow um, I've been Drew
2: Boxicle
1: I've been Roxy And
2: I've been Alan Goodbye
1: Bye. Goodbye
0: Culture Podcast is presented by Lady Roxy, Countess of Edge, Alan and Drew Boxical. Key research was by Nikki Hindmarch, Tom McGrath, and Spleeny Dotson. Valerie Kitchenette's leopard handler was Sheila House. Original music was by Maurice Young Blaze Clopton and Tedious Fanboy. Additional research was from Emily Howes Long and Ashlyn Curran. The Noise Culture Podcast is owned, mind, body and soul by Bow Wow Wow Incorporated. It was produced by The Mechanical
2: Pig.